and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to Season 10 of the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you and introduce this new season. As we enter our 10th season, we're going to take a little time to reflect before we dive into a sneak peek at all the fun things we have coming. If you've been an avid listener to our podcast throughout the years, we want to say thank you for sticking with us. As you probably heard Pat Sloan say on last week's episode, we're parting ways on this podcast. We've loved working with her these last nine years, both as the host of our podcast and a frequent designer in our magazines. She's incredibly talented and has so many amazing things going. We give her all our thanks for years of fascinating interviews with hundreds of guests. But a new season, and number 10 at that, means a brand new format that we hope you love. This season, you'll hear more from the editors and designers of our magazines, On each episode, we'll share helpful tips and tricks to make quilting more fun and address common sewing problems. We'll chat finishing your quilts and tackling your UFOs. We'll conquer common storage and organization problems. We'll update you on trends in the quilting industry and just fun quilty things we're loving right now. And we'll also share heartwarming stories of quilting making a difference in communities across the world. Best of all, we'll be featuring you, our listeners. We'll be answering questions from our listeners, sharing your best quilting tips, and having discussions around topics that are important to you. So drop us an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com with any thoughts you have. And we'll still be doing the interviews that you love. Each episode, we'll have a fun Q&A with someone in the quilting industry. These interviews will be conducted by Jess Ziegler from Threaded Quilting Studio. You may recognize her name from our magazine as a designer or from her popular Instagram, where she shares beautiful photos of her long-arm quilting. We'll be interviewing her later on the show so you can learn more about her. Here's a quick look at some of the topics we'll be chatting about this season. 10 Tips for English Paper Piecing How to Wash and Care for Your Quilts Make more time to sew, even when you're busy. Practical tips for a sewing room clutter cleanse. And so much more. Thank you so much for joining us in this new season. We have exciting things planned. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Hey folks, it's Hunter Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Food & Wine. This fall, we're launching the new Food & Wine Classic in Charleston with our partners at Southern Living Travel and Leisure. And we want to see you there. This incredible three-day culinary experience will showcase the hospitality, food, drinks, and culture of one of our favorite cities in the country. Join us September 27th to 29th to learn more from iconic chefs, share a glass with innovative wine experts, and get to know Charleston with one-of-a-kind experiences curated by the experts at Food & Wine, Southern Living, and Travel and Leisure. Tickets are on sale now at foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. That's foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. See you down in Charleston. 
now we'll dive into our UFO Challenge, a segment where we address common finishing problems so you can complete your UFOs. I'm here with Doris, the editor of Quilt Sampler, and she's going to share a finishing tip to help you on your journey of crossing those projects off your list. Thanks, Lindsay. Today, I want to share some ideas for deciding what to do with those UFOs that you aren't certain are worth your time of finishing. Now, why would you not want to finish a project that you've started? Probably the most common answer to that question is that the color palette or the fabric style is something you maybe liked five or ten years ago, and it's not really your taste anymore. Maybe it was intended for an event that has long since passed. For instance, it might have been a baby quilt that was intended for a child that's now a teenager. It happens. We've all been there. Some of my UFOs are from classes I took to try a new technique or to learn from a well-known teacher, and so I never really felt compelled to finish it. I still have a hard time just throwing them out. So having a lot of UFOs, I think one reason why we want to get that number down is it can be very overwhelming or cause feelings of guilt. Um, So it's best to decide which ones you realistically are going to finish and just clear out the rest. If they do fall into that, I'm not sure whether I want to bother finishing this. There's a couple of things you can consider. First of all, how long is it going to take you to finish that project? Does it just need the border and to be quilted and bound? Finish it up. Is it ready for quilting? Is it already quilted and just needs a binding? If those are parts of the quilting process that you don't necessarily enjoy, find someone that does those, a long arm quilter. Some long arm quilters will do binding as well. Find someone to do it and get it off your hands. Another idea to consider is, can I just downsize this project or repurpose this project? You may have started it as a king size bed quilt and it turned out that it was a really tedious process or you lost your momentum on it. If it's going to take you too long to finish up all of those blocks, consider turning it into a smaller project. Take the ones that you have finished, and if it's enough to make a wall hanging, make it into a wall hanging. If it's enough to make a throw-size quilt, make it into a throw-size quilt and get it finished up and out of your cupboard. The baby quilt that never got finished, um, if fabrics are still age-appropriate, sometimes they are for an older child, consider adding to it and making it a throw or a twin-size quilt and gift it to the person that it was originally intended to. They don't need to know that it was supposed to be their baby quilt. Um, Or finish it for another mom-to-be or newborn. That will appreciate it. Another thing you can consider doing, I do this with a lot of mine, projects that I fall out of love with or don't really have a particular use for. I just wanted to make something with that pattern or that fabric. Consider uh, turning it into um, finishing the project as an act of love. Uh, Can it be donated to a charity? Does your guild take finished quilt tops or quilts? Um, and pass those on to charity? Can you gift it to somebody that you know is going through a tough time that could really appreciate a thoughtful gift? Those are all good homes for quilts. Uh, Contact your local charities or quilt shops or guilds and see if they do accept those type of projects ahead of time. The big guild that I belong to, a big traditional guild, has an annual rummage sale and we can literally give anything to them, like old thread, old scissors, Uh, blocks that are in pieces, (laughs) it doesn't matter. And they sell it, the proceeds go to charity. And it's wonderful because guild members buy up these unfinished projects and then they bring them back to show and tell and show off these great projects. Another idea, um, I've never done this one myself, but I saw this as a suggestion from someone else, is to have a UFO swap with your quilting friends. Everyone gets together, maybe it's a small group or a small guild, get together and swap UFOs. You bring the UFOs that you don't want any longer, no longer like, or don't want to finish up. And maybe another quilter has one that you really like. And there's probably going to be somebody in the group that really likes the ones that you brought. 
or just gift it to another quilting friend um, who does like the project and will gladly finish it up. I've done that. I had a bunch of Halloween blocks left over and I already had one Halloween quilt and I'm like, oh, do I really want to finish the time to piece these together? I gave them to a friend that has three small children and she loved them. So keep in mind that we all have these projects that we have fallen out of love with for one reason or another. Because sometimes we need permission to do things. If you really hate it or it's something that you did when you were just starting out and it's not very good quality, you don't think it's worth finishing or gifting, it's okay to trash it. Just throw it away and get it out of your way, especially if it's going to make you feel better. Thanks, Doris. I definitely am a person who suffers from that quilt guilt you talked right. about. So I, <laughs> I love these considerations. So for those of you who don't know, we have a UFO or Unfinished Objects Challenge online. And on the first of every month, we always announce a new number on your list to work on. So since it's July 1st, July's number is number one. So to learn more about this UFO challenge and join us, visit allpeoplequilt.com resolution. So our organization pro, Elizabeth, who is the designer of American Patchwork and Quilting, is here with me for our Get Organized segment, where we give storage tips for your sewing space. We really can't get enough of organization. We love it so much. I know, Lindsay, you're just a big of, as big of a fan of tidying up as I am. Um, we've both talked about the fact that we both find the process of tidying up to be motivating and often cathartic. Um, so personally... I have a really hard time being creative in a cluttered space. However, I know that that isn't the case for a lot of people. Some people actually thrive and feel more creative in a space where they are surrounded by their supplies and projects. So regardless of what your space looks like, I think we can all agree that what we'd appreciate most is just to find time to do more of what we love, which if you're listening to this podcast, is quilting, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so the less time we have to spend searching for a specific fabric or notion, the more time we have that we can actually spend creating and quilting. We recently asked our American Patchwork and Quilting Facebook readers how many minutes they spend each week tidying up and organizing their sewing spaces, and the average answer was 27 minutes. So whether you have just five minutes to do a quick speed clean or 60 minutes to do a deep dive into organizing your space, I have some suggestions to share with you on how to best spend those precious minutes when you could otherwise be creating. So now if you only have five minutes to do a quick clean, focus on completing one simple task. I like to spend a few minutes at the end of my sewing to sweep up any loose threads and put away tools I've been using so I can find them faster when I come back to my project. Or you could take those five minutes at the beginning of your sewing time to do a little machine maintenance. If you've been sewing with the same needle for a while, take the time to change out your needle and you'll wish you would have done it sooner when you realize what a difference it can really make. Same goes for your rotary cutting blade. Cutting with a sharp blade can actually save you lots of time and frustrations. So another idea is that the next time you have to change your bobbin, take a few extra minutes to clean your bobbin case from lint and fuzz. Regular machine cleaning doesn't have to take up a lot of time and it can really help keep your machine running smoothly. In addition to fuzz and lint in your machine, lint from fabrics, especially fabrics like plush fabrics, can build up on your cutting mat. And if you find this happening, just take a couple of minutes to rub an eraser over the fibers stuck to your mat to remove all that strong, small debris. And if you have a bit more time, like 30 minutes, you can also give your cutting mat a deeper clean. Using a soft bristle brush, room temperature water, and a few, few drops of mild detergent, gently clean your mat. Rinse it with water and then wipe dry. Just remember to store your self-healing cutting mats flat to prevent them from warping. 
I like to hang mine from a pants hanger in my closet. With 30 minutes, you can also tackle some storage problem areas. You can add labels to your storage bins. You can find things at a quick glance. I love to use my label maker. It's kind of my best friend. Um, but you could also add labels using uh, something as simple as washi tape and a pen. Washi tape is easy to remove, and it can also add a fun pop of color to your space. Another idea is to take some time to round up some of the most used to round up some of your most used and loved supplies and corral them into one easy to access area. I keep some of my most used tools in a specific storage bin, so I can simply grab that bin and then move it to my sewing table when I'm ready to sew. This saves me time from having to track down each individual notion and tool. In 30 minutes, you can also organize your works in progress, patterns, and templates into boxes or project storage bins, keeping everything you need together and organized for your next sewing day. I would suggest saving larger projects like organizing your fabrics for when you have 60 minutes or more to dedicate to the task. Take time to first think about how you pull and select your fabrics. Do you like to use fabrics from a specific collection or are you more of a scrappy quilter where you like to pull fabrics from lots of different collections? Do you tend to make big block quilts or mini quilts with tiny scraps? There are so many ways to sort your fabrics, so just find a system that will work for you. You could try sorting by color, type, and or size. If you find yourself with a longer period of free time, you can also take that time to sort through some of your worn out supplies and replace them with fresh new ones. Dispose of bent and rusty pins, dried out fabric markers, dull needles, and rotary blades. You can designate and label an empty container, such as a pill bottle or mint tin, to safely store sharp items before recycling them or placing them in the trash. So breaking down a task into manageable periods of time, such as five minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, is an easy way to stay on top of clutter. Just a few minutes spent tidying up your sewing space can free up more time in the future for what you really love, quilting. I love it. I'm definitely going to carve out some time this week to clean my sewing space with your suggestions. Sounds like a good plan. We'll be back after this quick ad break. So I'm so excited to chat with our guest on today's show. You've heard her here before and have seen her many times in our magazine. She's a talented pattern designer, long arm quilter, and just so happens to be our newest contributor to our podcast. It's Jess Ziegler from Threaded Quilting Studio. Hey. Hi, Jess. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you're joining this podcast. Thank you. I am too. And a little bit nervous, but that's okay, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you're going to start hearing Jess weekly on our podcast, Interviewing Guest, and we know that she has some amazing Q&As lined up. But for this episode, we thought it would be fun to put Jess in the hot seat so you can get to know her mm. more. Okay, so Jess, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your quilting sure. life? Sure. Yeah. I grew up in central Iowa, and I still live in central Iowa, just about an hour from where I grew up. I live with my husband, Josh. He's super supportive. Shout out, Josh, because you should be listening to this if you're <laughs> this supportive. <laughs> and then we have um, three boys, three sons. My oldest is 14. Middle is 13. Those two are only 12 months apart. And my youngest is, he'll be 10 this August. You have a house full of boys. I do. <laughs> and then you, of course, we mentioned in the show notes, said you are a long-arm quilter. Yeah, that's my main gig these days. I digitally quilt for clients, mostly on a mail-in basis. And so that's a lot of my day-to-day -day work is at the long-arm, responding to uh, emails, making invoices, shipping, 
just a little bit of everything. I am also designing for Scrap Lab. So I'll have um, some quilt designing thrown in there too for like a regular day. But yeah, I just part of being a quilter and loving quilting, I work from home and I tend to work (laughs) too much. (laughs) (laughs) I work from morning to night and I love it. It's my job. It's my hobby too. Absolutely. So I just love following you on Instagram. Oh, um, and I can tell that you're constantly quilting because it looks like <laughs> you have a new quilt quilted every day just based on all the photos almost, I see. Almost. Um, so what is your favorite part of the long arm quilting process, either for yeah. your own projects or what you oh, do okay. for others? Well, I would say I really love quilting for my clients because it's when I can give them quilting that they might not be able to do on their own and I use um I text my customers a lot and so I'll take pictures and I try to take a lot of care in how I set up the photos and so when I text whoever it is my client and get like the immediate response of like oh my gosh that's awesome or like crying emojis because they're (laughs) so in love or they'll say you know it's even better than I thought it could be and that like seriously makes me emotional because I just love that part of it. I love the connecting with other people and I love giving them quilting that they might not yet be able to do on their own. So do you ever get clients that don't want to see pictures of it? Um, Actually, yes. I have, um, shout out to Bobby in Florida. (laughs) She always wants to be surprised. So she lets me make all the decisions. I take pictures, but I don't share them with her. And then I send them back to her in the mail and then she gets to be 100% surprised when they come. And so that's fun. She's probably my only one that does that, but I think it's just a a neat sort of thing that we have. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you do a really great job, Jess, about not only showcasing the beautiful quilting you do, but also guiding others on their long arm quilting process. I know you do a lot on social media and I mean I don't consider myself good at machine quilting at all (laughs) but I learned so much just from seeing what you do so I thought um, you could tell us a little bit about how you're helping others with learning that long arm process. Yeah well that's a huge compliment. I love helping others just period. But I noticed I was getting a lot of questions about long arm quilting in general. And so I decided to start a newsletter that just, it's only for long arm quilters. I do have a few people in there that just lurk, but at least they tell <laughs> me ahead of time that they're just lurking. No, but um, I answer frequently asked questions through these email newsletters. And I just started this summer and I'm gearing up to offer some sort of a membership later this summer to really come alongside those uh, long-arm quilters, particularly the digital quilters, like kind of the world that I'm immersed in. We have a lot of information that we can share to help each other, to share best practices on, um, you know, getting clients, how to do the technical setting up pantographs, like that sort of thing. Even like best practices for mailing, like some some of those things that other people have just figured out and we can help speed you through that process. So if you're interested, I do have a sign up on my website, which is threadedquilting.com. And I've gotten some really great feedback just going through the step-by-step process of loading quilts, you know, and I kind of touched on the other ones before, but that's an area, the education piece that I'm really excited about now, kind of transitioning, still taking client quilts, but transitioning to um, help others. I just think it's the best job. Like it's so 
great and satisfying to be able to work from home on my own hours, be flexible for my kids, but also do something really creative and to help other people um, is just like it's all coming together for me, I feel like, and I, I feel so satisfied doing what I'm doing right now. That's awesome. So thanks. And you keep saying digital quilting. Yeah. Can you explain that for people Good. who may not know yes. what that is? Thank you. It's um, I'm using a computer to set up pantographs that are can be scaled up or down or changed and manipulated. I do design some of my own pantographs, but generally speaking, I am buying from other designers and then using my best design sense, I guess, or experience to match up a client's quilt with the right quilting or quilting that I think is going to look great. And this is sometimes something that a client might just ask me to decide for them. Uh, But a lot of times it's a collaborative process and uh, something that we can make sure at the end that we really like it or, you know, it's going to hit on all of what they're wanting in a quilt. So, yeah, that that's digital quilting. Thanks for um, clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is your best tip for somebody who may just be starting right. to long arm their quilts? Oh, long arm. Um, or machine quilt. Yeah. Maybe a machine quilt. I think for probably most people who are starting to quilt are going to be doing so on their domestic machines. And I have kind of a People don't usually just jump in on yeah. a long arm. Well, <laughs> the very adventurous ones do. <laughs> um, so there's two things. Straight line quilting is probably going to be the most readily accessible technique that somebody can use just starting out. And my tip for that is pin-based a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So when you can put a fist down on a quilt, you should be definitely hitting a pin. If you have bigger spaces than that, Um, add some more pins. You will not regret adding more pins, even though they're a pain to take out and to put in. Um, It's going to eliminate puckers. You're just going to be so much more happy with the results. The other tip that I have goes toward, I'm talking more toward people who maybe they've tried straight line quilting and they're ready to get a little crazy with (laughs) pre-motion quilting. My biggest tip is to just draw, 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 draw. All the motifs that you think that you might use on your top, you can commit those to your brain. Like, know how to move around a design is almost as important as knowing how to form the shapes. That muscle memory will come when you're at your machine or your, yeah, your domestic machine, but a lot of it is going to come with uh, practice. And so if you can't get to your machine or you're not actively quilting, if you're just sitting watching TV, you can draw anytime. And that is going to help a lot. So that would be, those are my two best tips for Good tips. I'm going to have to try those out. (laughs) Okay. So to end, I have a series of just rapid fire questions for you. So just answer whatever comes to your brain. Okay. Okay, what color fabric always makes it into your quilts? Oh, blue, for sure. What's your favorite quilt block? Oh, got to be the feathered star. <laughs> I've got a pattern for one, and I just, I love, I love the look of them. Yep, so you can visit her website to get oh, yeah. a free one. Yeah. I, I'm making her feathered star quilt right now. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> Exciting. Okay, what quilting pantograph will you never get sick of? Oh, I love Hammersmith. It's designed by Karen Emerson. It's just simple, but bold and effective. And I just, I love it. I'll never get sick of it. 
(laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's the biggest quilt you've ever quilted? I just did one recently that was 115 inches by 115 inches, and it was massive. And that was like a week or two ago, and I'm doing another one today, currently, (laughs) presently, uh, that's also 115 by 115. That's big. It's big. Okay, last one. What's your favorite color thread to use while quilting? Oh, I would say I use white probably the most, but I would just, in a general sense, I use a lot of neutrals. I try to always match to the lightest fabric in the top, so... There you go. Good tip. So fun. Thanks. So thanks so much for letting me interview you oh, this yeah. time. I'm going to be the one behind the questions <laughs> next time. I know. Um, so why don't you let people know quick how they can connect with you online or oh, social sure. media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram most of the time. It's at uh, Threaded Quilting. And my website is also threadedquilting.com. We're so excited to have Jess on board with us. Stay tuned each week to hear Jess interview really interesting people in the quilting industry and make sure to connect with her on social media to see more of her gorgeous long-arm quilting. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. I loved sitting down and chatting with Jess. She had such great tips. As a special bonus, I'm sharing three great machine quilting tips today that were submitted by our readers. Beth Stanfield from Durham, North Carolina says, I am learning free motion quilting and have been practicing on decorator fabric samples. The lines on the samples mean I don't have to draw or imagine a design. I look for paisleys and floral designs with lots of curves and shapes to build my skills. Paint and decorator stores usually have outdated books that they will give you or sell reasonably. Donna Barnett's of Rio Rancho, New Mexico says, If I'm machine quilting and have to remove the quilt to replace the bobbin thread, I use a safety pin to attach a scrap of bright fabric where I left off so I can quickly find my place. And Rita Jones from Placentia, California says, I usually complete several quilt tops before taking them to be quilted. After completing the tops, I stack each one with its backing and binding and snap a quick photo. If something is misplaced, there is a visual reminder of the top and backing for my machine quilter's reference. These are some great tips. We love hearing these quilting ideas from our readers. If you're interested in submitting your own tip for feature in our magazine or on the podcast, send an email of your tip to apqtips at meredith.com. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us Have a creative week.